Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I just want to wish each one of you a happy Father's Day, especially you fathers, but you mothers, I hope you're happy too during this time. I was just sitting here thinking about how blessed I am that God has really poured out abundance upon me. He gave me a beautiful wife, and with her we produced two gorgeous daughters that I love so very much. And I've got seven grandchildren that I'm very proud of, and I've got three of the most beautiful little great-grandkids that you ever want to see. God has just blessed and blessed, and I praise him for it. You know, today I want to talk to you about don't tell them Jesus loves them until you're ready to love them too. We talk about uh, evangelism. We talk about trying to reach people for Jesus Christ. And we don't seem sometimes to be as successful as we think we should be. And I want to give you one of the keys to reaching people for Jesus. In fact, I'm getting ready to teach a course at the First Baptist Church in Holbrook on, on personal evangelism. And this is one of the things I plan to stress. In Mark 16:15 it says and he said to them go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. No matter who, what or where you are, you can do something to make the world better because you're important and you count. One of the most dramatic illustrations is the story of Ah Chai, an 8-year-old leper girl in South China. Hungry, alone, and wasting away with disease gnawing at her young flesh and bones, Ah Chai's life reached its supreme tragedy one hot summer day when she was driven from her home village by the villagers wanting to rid themselves of her pollution. The heartless, cruel mob armed with sticks and stones shoved and pummeled her until leprosy seemed fated to be cheated of its victory of death. A missionary saw the commotion and ran to see what was happening. He ran to the middle of the crowd, saw the poor sick child's condition, and bent down, scooped Ache up in his arms while the crowd shouted, Unclean! Unclean! Cradled in his arms, she stopped crying, but only for a moment. The torrent of tears began again. Now they were tears of gratitude because someone cared. Why? Why do you bother about me, she asked between sobs. The missionary swallowed hard and answered, Because God made you and made me, and that makes you my sister and makes me your brother. I'm going to take care of you. You'll never be hungry or homeless again. But how can I pay, Ache asked. The missionary smiled and shook his head for silence. All you have to do... All God wants you to do is to return his love by showing that love to as many others as you can. Will you promise? A nod of her tear-streaked face was the eloquent reply. That was when Ache was eight. She died three years later, just after her 11th birthday. In those three years, she did bring God's love and peace into the lives of all the other lepers where she lived under the missionary's care. She sang to them, dressed their sores, fed them. Most of all, she loved them. When she died, they expressed their gratitude along with thousands of other Chinese from the surrounding countryside saying, Our little bit of heaven has gone back to heaven, and they'd point upwards. Just as Ache caught the vision of Christ in terms of herself and the world, we can too, and our power for good will become more effective and far-reaching. 
but we'll never reach people by telling them how Jesus loves them if we're not willing to love them ourselves. In John 13, 34 through 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. When I was pastor at Church of the Nazarene in Pullman, Washington, I met Bob Askins, a rough, defiant individual. His wife attended the church. He never darkened the door. She prayed that he would accept Christ as his Savior someday. I would visit him on, uh, on his small farm whenever I could get there. My visits always seemed to ruffle his feathers. He just couldn't accept what kind of God would send his own son into a world to suffer and die on a cross for our sins. He couldn't accept a God who would treat his own son that way. He would usually end our sessions by saying, You think that you're going to heaven and I'm not. You think you're better than me. With that, he'd tell me to leave and not come back. Well, I'd go, but first I'd tell him I was praying for him, and I knew that one day he would accept Christ as his Savior and be saved. His reaction was always like throwing water on a cat. He'd angrily tell me, don't bother, you're just wasting your time, just go, don't come back. One Sunday evening after one of those hopeless confrontations on Friday afternoon, it was at the close of our evening service. I had already preached and getting ready to say the benediction. And he came busting through the church door and ran to the front of the sanctuary and literally sprawled on the altar. He was sobbing. He was praying. He was repenting. He was asking God to forgive his sins. He was under such heavy conviction. But when he poured his heart out to God and repented of his sins and promised to live for Jesus Christ, he was wondrously saved. He could not express the joy and peace that he felt as he became a new member of God's redeemed family. He said it was like a huge burden was lifted off his shoulder. Praise God. He said he could no longer act mean and belligerent towards Christians after all the love and patience the church congregation and I as his pastor had shown to him. I was so glad that I chose to treat him with love, concern, and respect in spite of trying to compete with his nastiness. Two weeks passed and he developed massive headaches. At first the doctors thought it might be allergies or a sinus infection causing his migraines. The headaches persisted and intensified. Finally, it was determined that he had a massive malignant brain tumor the size of a grapefruit, and he only had a short time to live. He said how glad he was that he had accepted Jesus Christ before he knew he had the tumor, because now he knew it was because he felt God's conviction and wanted to show God his love, not just for fear of dying. I'd been learning ventriloquism at that time that I could use in a children's ministry. I had a very inexpensive Danny O'Day dummy with a string in the back of his neck to pull and to move his mouth. Well, Bob knew about this special ministry designed to reach children, and I found out later adults. Bob was being prepared for surgery, and he sent word to me to buy a professional and more elaborate what he called Little Fellow. 
Well, at first I refused. I, I didn't want to take advantage of this very emotional situation. I said, Bob, we'll take care of this. We'll talk about it after you come out of your surgery. But that did not satisfy him. He and his wife insisted that I order a good dummy. Bob said he'd never have a ministry for God himself and would count what I did with this ventriloquist figure as part of his ministry in gratitude for God's salvation. Well, I ordered the figure, and when he came, Bob was finally out of the hospital, but he was still very weak. I remember that uh, he wanted to come to church, and we wanted to have a dedication service for this little fellow, Trevor. And so he came up to the friend of the church and he asked God to use this little guy in a successful ministry and as a tool in reaching souls for Jesus. Bob held the little figure and prayed and the prayer was a prayer of dedication. And there wasn't a dry eye in the church as Bob said, Lord, you saved me. I want you to use this to save others, please. I named the little fellow Trevor as a tribute to Robert Askins. Trevor is Robert spelled backwards. Trevor and I have worked kids camps now for years. We've worked vacation Bible schools. We've held worship services and, and school assemblies. And hundreds of kids and adults have responded to the message of salvation. I always use one service to talk about Robert Askins so that people know that it's his ministry too. Bob was hard to love, but I'm so glad God helped me to love him. And Bob is certainly in heaven today. Interestingly enough, Trevor fell a while back and, and caved in his face. And another Robert put his face back together. And I'm so thankful for the Roberts in our lives. Another hard case to love came when I pastored the Phoenix Deer Valley Church of the Nazarene. Harvey Shapiro, a Jewish guy who looked like Harpo Marx, and hated Christians. He would tell I he would often say to me, Don't tell me about your guad and he mispronounced God just because he knew it irritated me. I'd call at his house and his wife would bring a plate of cookies and out and set them on the coffee table so that we could enjoy them and he would purposely put his stinky feet and he only occasionally changed his socks he'd put his feet up behind beside the plate of cookies and made it really appetizing he was one of the most unlovable people that I'd ever met God kept nudging me that he needed to be saved I said Lord this seems hopeless are you sure well, one day I got a call that Harvey <clears throat> was at a nearby restaurant contemplating suicide. I found him, and, and I prayed with him and presented the plan of salvation to him. He accepted Christ as his Savior and was wondrously saved. I met him five mornings a week in my church office for nearly two years to mentor him in the way of a, being a Christian. The reason I was able to lead him to the Lord was because Marty and I had shown enough love that he was finally willing to recognize Christ loved him too. He was Jewish and his parents threatened to disown him because they accepted Christ but because they saw the change that God brought to their son they too eventually received Christ as their personal savior. Harvey became a pastor in the church of the Nazarene. In fact, he pastored a little church up in Verde Valley. 
He developed an impediment of speech and eventually had to quit preaching, but he started an online Bible study and won many people to the Lord through that. Harvey died a couple years ago, but what a victorious funeral he had as people shared how he had blessed their lives. In Portland, I met Seaford and Martin and Aaron, David and Gabby, all homeless guys who had little or no access to bathtubs or showers, and it was obvious. I would say be prepared. Sometimes the souls that God wants you to love are housed in filthy, odorific bodies. Marty and I used to joke that we were the only pastoral couple that knew all the street beggars by name. We had a, a Thanksgiving dinner one Thanksgiving. Seventeen homeless souls, all living on the street, came to our Thanksgiving dinner and thoroughly enjoyed themselves, and we were able to present the gospel to them. One of my street preacher friends that I met later in Seattle told me, yeah, he says, you know, we catch them and God cleans them. Well, I guess that's what had to happen here. Sometimes church people don't catch the vision of loving souls for Jesus Christ. One day, when I was still in Portland, some neighborhood boys came playing with their skateboards on the church parking lot. Two of my laymen, Jack and Bill, chased them off, telling them not to come back. If they wanted to play, play someplace else. They were not welcome here at the church. I was never able to get those kids back because two cranky old men were put out at them and showed no love and chased them off. You know, once a person catches a glimpse of how God can use them to reach people for Christ personally and individually, everything takes on a new aspect. But you won't convince anyone that Jesus loves them until you're willing to love them yourself. A soldier was coming home from Vietnam. He called his parents from San Francisco. Mom and Dad, I'm coming home, but I've got a favor to ask. I have a friend I'd like to bring with me. Sure, they replied. We'd love to meet him. There's something you should know, he continued. He was hurt pretty badly in the fighting. He stepped on a landmine and lost an arm and a leg. He has nowhere else to go, and I want him to come live with us. I'm sorry to hear that, son. Maybe we can help him find somewhere to live. No, Mom and Dad, I want him to live with us. Son, said the father, you don't know what you're asking. Someone with such a handicap would be a terrible burden on us. We have our own lives to live, and, and we can't let something like this interfere with our lives. I think you should come home and forget about this guy. He'll find a way to live on his own. The son hung up the phone. The parents didn't hear any more from him. A few days later, the San Francisco Police Department called them. Their son had died after falling from a building. The police believed that it was suicide. The grief-stricken grief parents flew to San Francisco and were taken to a city morgue to identify their son's body. They recognized him all right, but to their horror, they discovered something they didn't know. Their son had only one arm and one leg. Those parents are like many of us. We find it easy to love those who are good-looking or fun to have around, but we don't like people who inconvenience us or make us uncomfortable. We'd rather stay away from people who aren't as healthy, beautiful, or as smart as we are. 
I remember one time being in a McDonald's there in Portland, and there were six fat boys that were sitting around the table enjoying themselves, and the manager of McDonald's came out and said, it's time for you boys to move on now. You don't need to be here because there's a lot of people that you're bothering by your appearance and by the way you're acting. And I thought, how cruel, how terrible to come and tell these kids that. Thankfully, you know, there's someone who won't treat us that way. Someone who loves us unconditionally and welcomes us into the forever family, regardless of how messed up we are. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, it says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it unto one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. I, You know, I, I found a note one time. Well, basically, I found an illustration, but the note said, Hey, could someone help me out? My little brother has no food. It's been three days since he ate a real meal. His dad ran out on him earlier this year. I thought I'd ask you for help because you're a Christian. One of my sisters ran away from home because she overheard a conversation about her being a mistake. She told me that nobody cares. She'll be back in a few days, but she needs to know somebody cares. Would you go over and tell her somebody does care, that she just needs some attention? And then there's that elderly lady that lives down the street. You know, the one, the dirty, smelly lady that no one likes? She's out of medication and has no money to buy more. Please help. She'll die if she doesn't get her medicine. Oh, yeah, I hate to be a bother, but I know this man in the hospital. The doctors give him only 48 hours to live, and there's no hope for improvement. I'm really concerned because he's not ready to meet God. Is there any way you could go and tell him how he can be saved? Please, could you help? There are so many people I know in your own hometown, even on your street, who could use a little help. I see so many sick, lonely, hurting, and lost people. Some need encouragement, some food, some clothing. Some need attention, and others just need someone to do a few odd jobs done around the house that they can't do. There are kids with no parents, elderly with no children, teenagers who feel unloved, and men and women who are facing divorce. They all need help. Please, could you help? Look at all the broken homes and broken hearts around you, all the needs you can meet. Please, could you help? I won't keep you any longer, but I do need your help. Just remember this one last thing. The next time you see a hurting or needing soul in front of you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, you've done it unto me. Love Jesus. You know, one last thought. A soldier was wounded in battle, and the chaplain, a, a, a priest, crept out and did what he could for him. He stayed with him when the remainder of the troops retreated. In the heat of the day, he gave him water from his own water bottle while he remained parched with thirst. In the night, when the chill frost came down, he covered the wounded man with his own coat and finally wrapped him up in even more of his own clothes to save him from the cold. In the end, the wounded man looked up at the priest. Padre, he said, you're a Christian. I try to be, said the padre, the chaplain. 
Then said the wounded man, If Christianity makes you a man that will do for another man what you have done for me, tell me about it because I want it myself. Don't tell them Jesus loves them until you're ready to love them too. Oh God, I pray that you'll help us to have more compassion. We look around, we see this nation that's literally on its way to hell. We have individuals, Lord, we can't probably do a lot to change the direction of the nation, but Father, we can see people one at a time and lead them to Jesus Christ. And who knows what kind of thing that might make snowball into a revival across this land. Help us to be aware of the people around us. Help us not to worry if they look like they're down and out. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to reach them. By the way, Father, there are those that don't fit the description of down and out. They're up and they're going, but they need Jesus too. Father, help us to be aware when we come across people that need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior that we can be your spokespeople. We can use our mouths and our hands and our feet and our love to reach these people. Lord, teach us to have the love and compassion that you have. Look through our eyes and show us the things you see, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, what a tremendous time this would be to accept him and to let God the Father become your Father. I just pray that you will confess your sins to him and repent and pray and ask Jesus just to come into your life and change you and make you one of his own. If you want to get in touch with me, you know how to do it. My email is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. My uh, Post office box is box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. You can catch my podcast on my website. It's entitled Church of the Galilean, and uh, that's spelled with lowercase C-H-U-R-C-H-O-F-T-H-E-G-A-L-I-L-E-A-N.com. And if you, you know, if you want to get in touch, if you want to somehow or other have whatever I might be able to offer to help you to get your heart right with Christ, I want you to remember, it's not me that saves you, it would be Jesus Christ. And God, I'm just asking God to speak to hearts with his Holy Spirit and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God bless. Have a good holiday, a good Father's Day, and, and the next day on Monday is a holiday. Enjoy yourself, but don't forget, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.